It's the only time you have control of Bob McCowan. Let's go. Subscribe to Primetime Sports Podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590 The Fan. On demand. Sit down for the most unique dinner date you've ever experienced. Because the dinner conversation is about to get testy with Bob. This is Primetime Sports with Bob McCowan on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thursday, July the 23rd, 2015. It's primetime sports. Coast to coast on the Sportsnet television network. It's the radio show on television only. Are we on any radio stations this hour? We don't know. We might be. We're not on our flagship station, the fan. They're carrying the baseball game. But we got the next three hours on... um, on Sportsnet, so uh, we're happy to have you if you're not a baseball fan. Uh, Blue Jays and Oakland A's on all the other channels. Uh, Michael Grange is with us again, behaving himself more today than he did yesterday. My, my hands are on the desk. Keep your fingers to my, yourself. My, my hands are, yeah. Uh, no. We're going to have a guest right off the top. Usually we have 10 minutes to chat, but we're going to bring our guest on right away. Um, Brendan Shanahan will join us in a minute, the Leafs president. Uh, later, Jeff Blair will join us in studio. Uh, John Furlong, the uh, chairman of Own the Podium and the uh, head of the Vancouver Olympics. Uh, also, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, chief legal officer for the National Hockey League, as we discuss the two expansion bids, uh, Quebec City and uh, Las Vegas. And Wayne Gretzky will join us later on in the program Who? as well. 99. I saw one of the, uh, on Twitter, There's a I think there's something called Gretzky Facts. And it had, uh, the other day it was, First, the fastest player to a thousand points was Wayne Gretzky in like four hundred games. The second fastest player to a thousand points was Wayne Gretzky in his next four hundred and thirteen games. Really, something like that. Yeah, just <laughs> well, pretty amazing. Stuff. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, uh, but we are um, thrilled and shocked <laughs> to welcome as our first guest a um, a guy who's been on this program on numerous occasions. He's always been a friend of this uh, show, and we um, we thank him. And now we get to be kind of neighborly. Uh, the uh, former president, general manager, um, top dog of the New Jersey Devils, Lou Lamorello, is the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And here's Lou. Holy mackerel. How are you? Hello, Bob. How are you? Well, congratulations. I mean, uh, you could have blown me over with a feather. I never saw this coming at all. So uh, let, let me start right at the beginning. Um. Does this happen with a phone call from Shanny? Is that where this whole thing started? Did you meet him somewhere? Did you know how did it start, Lou? What happened uh, was uh, when I decided to say get a transition and brought uh, Ray Sherrill in. Uh, that was something that ownership and myself had talked about for the last year. Or so that came uh, relatively quickly, and I was, you know, I felt good. Uh, 
going forward in that role, doing the things, and maybe, I don't want to say taking it easy, but just overseeing everything uh, in a different way. Evidently, Brendan, uh, at that time, uh, called our ownership and asked for permission to uh, speak with me if they, you know, and and they told him that, I guess, if that was something that I wanted to do, uh, they would never hold me back. Uh, um, but, you know, they didn't think that I would be interested in win. And they were right at that time. Um, and then Brendan, uh, certainly, uh, at different times we spoke uh, yeah. because he had the ability. And then uh, Larry Tannenbaum uh, had a conversation with me. And then we pushed it off because of the draft and certainly free agency. And then as soon as that finished, Brendan, uh, you know, uh, and I spoke uh, and it just heated up. And and as I said today in the press conference, if I need somebody to recruit anybody, I'm going to send Brendan and not even think of anybody else. (laughs) Uh, uh, And he and I uh, go way back and have had a a great relationship you know, throughout his career. And, you know, I have been impressed with the things that he was doing here and the commitment certainly that Toronto had. And and he really rekindled me in an excitement. And he got me enthused. And here I am. Lou, uh, when people think of Lou Lamarillo, it, it's always about this this incredible presence you bring to an organization and and kind of rules and, and, and a way to conduct uh, yourself for, for everyone from guys on the ice all the way through the, the front office. Um, but you've done that with, with the benefit, I guess I would say, of, of having such a long runway um, to really shape a culture. Can you, first of all, tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about what these little things you do that people like to talk about that, that, that matter and is three years, which I guess has been reported the length of your contract, enough time to really shape a cult, shape an organization? Well, you will know, have to find out because I really don't know a lot of the integral things. Uh, I have some information, uh, but you never come in with a list and say, this is what we're going to do. Uh, you know, you just look at the little things that possibly you can get control immediately that happen without somebody even knowing and then you build off that. And for me, the most important thing is getting players, uh, and I know Mike is totally with me on this, Brendan is, and everyone else here, getting players who love the game and want to have success in the game as a team, not only success as an individual, and creating something that that logo is more important than that name in the back of the shirt. Now, that that sounds like a mouthful, but there are little things that you find out in people when that happens. And if you look over a lot of the successful teams, and, you know, we've been very fortunate in uh, some of the players who have their names on the cups. I mean, you don't see them in any scoring, uh, but without them, you would not have won. And everybody recognizes that, and people have to realize that no matter what their role is in a team, they're just as important as the so-called most talented player. And the most talented player has to recognize he can't have any success with the other person. So that's what we have to try and create 
which in talking to Brendan, you know, and I know what Mike believes in without question. I mean, he, he has the history to show that, whether it be with Detroit and the Olympics or junior or whatever he's touched his hands on. So that's the excitement part of here. The question is, you asked how long I could, I could not answer that until I see what the character is of the individuals we're talking about. To follow up, is there, is there some is there some little thing that you do that you have trusted that that's worked for you over time that you know might be subtle might be almost undetectable that that you always believe you've had on your teams in Providence you've had with your teams uh, in New Jersey so you know a, a little policy a rule something that really says Lou Lemarillo Bob you know me longer does he really think I'm going to answer this <laughs> Well, I um, no, I don't. But uh, I'm just listening. Okay. <laughs> um, let me ask you about Babcock. Did you talk to Mike before um, you agreed to take the job? Was that? Yes, I did. Um, can you, will you tell us any about anything about that conversation and how influential was he in in helping you make your decision? Very, very. Mike, uh, uh, very influential. Um, obviously, you respect him as a coach. Yes, I do. I respect him as a coach. I respect him as an educator, and I respect him as a person, and, you know, his work ethic, and, and, you know, he's committed to winning, and, you know, and he doesn't do it in words. He puts the effort in himself to have success, and he also trusts the people around him. Um, It is unusual, though, you would acknowledge, for a general manager to come in and have a coach who has just come in himself and you essentially don't have a role in it. Now, I would think that is mitigated to a great extent, Lou, by the fact that this is not just a guy. This is Mike Babcock. This is one of the acknowledged um, best coaches in the game today. I would assume you have no issue with Mike Babcock being your head coach. I don't think, uh, Bob, this thought process of even considering anything, if there was the slightest even inkling in my mind of that, this is not, you know, this is about, having a, you know, sort of position to have success, not having a position. With Lou Lamorello, the new general manager of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. You are as familiar as as we all are with the history of this uh, franchise, especially the most recent history. And when I say recent history, it's half a century without a Stanley Cup, but more importantly, one playoff appearance in the last decade. Um and a program that was has already been kind of put in place of trying to start over, if you will. Uh, your thoughts generally on that. Um, this is a, a process that's going to take some time, but do you have a clock running in your head uh, where you say, you know, it's going to take a year, two years, three years, five years, however long? No, I, I really don't. And, and I and I've always had an expression, you know, at at uh, say New Jersey is that you have a five year plan that changes every day, and you adjust yeah. it. And I think that that's the approach you take. You lay out everything, and then you keep adjusting it. And then what happens is when you you get to a certain point that it either shrinks and you've got your plan and you have to maintain it. Uh, but I have no timetable. And when I say five year, that's what I 
my thought process in New Jersey was when we were winning. So it, it, it's not that it's five years. I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know enough about, you know, the players. And, and Mike doesn't either. We, you don't know enough about, you know, what you you know got. how they're going to respond. You just don't know. Lou, there was a, a moment in, in your press conference where somebody was asking you about being part of a committee, and, and, and I think you said something along the lines of, anyone who knows me knows now there's some debate. Did you say I'll make the decisions or will make the decisions? And, well, and I, I think that the people that are in place here, and, I, and I'll get to that as best I can answer it, and the way it has been set up uh, with reference to the responsibilities in each area, uh, for example, Kyle, who is the assistant general manager, um, and Mark, who is the director uh, of scouting, uh, and and Mike, the head coach, uh, every one of them have an individual role and responsibility no different than what I had in New Jersey. Here, it was a little bit more of the way it's been put, and because there have been so many different people speaking at different times. So it's not unusual in the input, but there has to be one voice at the end to make that decision. And I think that's what I was alluding to, is that you take the input of everyone, and then you have to make that final decision. So and that, it's almost like an, uh, an accountability structure that's set that's up. That's the word that was used, too. Yeah. So when it goes it goes great, we can we, you'll thank everybody. When it goes badly, everyone gets to blame you. Is that how it's going to go? That's exactly <laughs> the way it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes in every business. And by the way, that, <laughs> you can't apologize for it because that's the way it should go. Uh, this is almost inarguably the most star-laden front office um, I can al- almost ever recall. I'm trying to think of another one in sport at any time historically of this many high-profile people all in one place at one time. Have you thought about that and what that actually might mean, Lou, positively or negatively? Yeah, I, I think you can, you know, you can dissect it and, and, and look at it any way you want. Uh, I think the one thing that we have, if you're speaking of Brendan, Mike, and, and myself at this point, is the common denominator is the type of people, uh, you know, everyone is team orientated. Uh, everyone is committed to the same goal. And I don't feel in any way whatsoever that the respect and trust that each has for each other uh, will only come together as one. I, If I had any doubt in that, I would not have you know, because I was the last person here coming, so I had to, I had the opportunity to see who the first two were. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. So I I am so comfortable with that, and you know, not over comfortable. It's just because I know both individuals. I know you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, which we all have. One of your one of your assets, strengths. I thought you were going to false first, by the way. I heard you. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I was going to, um, uh, and when you talk to people about Lou Lamorello and the New Jersey Devils, um, you think defense first. You think of a structure that is um, a, a discipline that is almost second to none. But it's a, it's a structure that seems to be, be keep the puck out of your own net first. Is it, I've never asked you this. Was that, is that your philosophy? Uh, or 
Uh, do you believe that's the best way to win in the National Hockey League? Or was this just something that, you know, when you look at the, ca- the cast of players that you assembled, this seemed to be the best way to play? That is the best answer that I could give. When we went to New Jersey and we were where we were, and it was the philosophy I had in coaching um, in, you know, in my past in, in college is that, you know, defense wins championships, offense wins games. And unfortunately, you know, maybe with the growing that we went through in New Jersey, it, we had ourselves accustomed to winning one-goal games, and we certainly had the luxury of a world-class goaltender. And our system that we had was to make him, you know, see the puck. And we felt that, you know, we could win. And our players bought into that and never got wrapped up with uh, anyone talking about, you know, defense or letting it get in the way. It was an asset that we had that people oh, we have to play the New Jersey Devils. And when Jocko Lemaire came in, he put that to the highest level you could have in the way he, you know, uh, put the system together. And whether they called it the trap or they called it this or they called it that, it was just everybody doing their own job collectively. Uh, But, you know, playing the same way on both sides of the puck, which you don't always get. So if it's a defense system and first, and that's the way they want to create it, uh, and they speak of it, so be it. But if you look back at some of those teams that we had, we were pretty well up there in scoring too, but what got recognized was our defense. Yeah, and, and you did, as you said, you did it because you had one of the great goaltenders in the history of the game. So absent that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to cast um, aspersions on uh, the existing Leaf goaltenders, Philosophically, you aren't married necessarily to the notion of um, players who will um, who, who are primarily focused on defense. Is that accurate? Uh, that's accurate. Yeah. So if if there's a player out there who has a high skill set as a scorer, uh, but maybe isn't the best defensive player out there, you don't ob- automatically discount him as a possibility. No, I can give you an example in in. Uh in New Jersey, uh, you know, and I have tremendous respect for him. And, you know, we don't we don't have him. We don't win the 95 Cup, Stefan Riche. It's good one. Who, yep. who you put with him, you put, you know, Bobby Copper and John McClain. Yeah, two guys that compliment him um, and allow him to do what he does um, while and, uh, protecting and, the and other the end. Key, and the key there, Bob, is that those players and the team accepts the assets and the liabilities. That's the only way you have to success because you can't win with all one type of player. Lou, your your connection to Providence is is well known, and uh, you know two guys you've mentored and have great affection for Ron Wilson, Brian Burke. You know, in the last ten years, Bob was talking about it. They've been here, and they were highly respected hockey guys when they got here, and things couldn't get done. Um, from where you were, what has been missing here, and and what can you bring? to change the trajectory of where guys you know and respect have failed? That's a good question. I really, you know, don't have an answer for that because I haven't been here long enough, and and that's not going to be a question that I could even answer, you know, for a good period of time. Um, I'm coming in with no preconceived notions, and I'm coming here with each and every player here that's on that roster. You know, I was part of them being here, and each and every one of the staff members, you know, uh, I hired. 
And that's the only way I feel you should approach it. And I believe in that. I did that going into uh, New Jersey from Providence. I did that going into the athletic directorship at Providence. I did it when I had to take the nets. Is that that's the only way it works? Once you do that, and then people start separating, and you find out in players as to who are really committed and who love, you know, and who want to be successful. When when you talk to Brendan at any point, whether it was the first time or the last time before you agreed to take the job, did he convey to you his philosophy of building this franchise? Yes, he did, and you know. If I weren't in tune to that and I weren't, you know, on board with that, um, you know, I wouldn't have even considered it. And, you know, I report to Brendan. Uh, Brendan is, you know, in the position he's in. I respect that. I have no problem with that. And I feel very comfortable, you know, in my own skin and, I know that all the people here are comfortable in their own skin and not and are not going to be afraid, you know, to test and push each other. Brendan's been associated most closely with the Devils and with the Red Wings, and he's brought together his two most prof- high-profile hires are uh, Mike Babcock, who's kind of the face of the Red Wings, and Lou Lamarillo, who's clearly the spirit of the New Jersey Devils. Um, what's it going to be like when when the three of you? Uh, get together and who's going to break the tie? I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, there's one I, one question, I, 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 and I don't want to go too far out on a limb here, but I heard this earlier, and if it's true, it would be a great story for you to tell. Um, you drafted Shanahan. When Shanahan was 18 years of age, did you take him on a car trip and drop him off somewhere and tell him to find his way back to New Jersey? No. That's not a true story? <laughs> Damn. It would have been great if it was. No. Where did this one come from? Oh, I don't know. I heard it someplace, and I didn't. I, I thought, well, that's that's sort of out there. But I figured no. when I found out you were coming on today, I thought, well, I better ask Lou that question. Because if it's true, it would be just one of the great stories of all time. It didn't sound like you, but. No, um, no. That's, and by the way, that's the first time I've heard that one. Drop, apparently, the story was you dropped him off on the side of the road and said, if you can find your way back to New Jersey, you can play for us. Um, <laughs> By the way, some things you can't even make up, but that's a good one. No, it is a pretty good one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, listen, we, uh, we, I couldn't be happier. I mean, you know, we've, uh, we've talked to you on um, so many occasions, and uh, you've always been um, um, most generous with your time. And to have you in our home city now is um, a delight, and we wish you the best of luck. And we'll look forward to having the opportunity sooner rather than later of getting you in studio here and having a nice long chat again. Congratulations, Lou, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you, and it's, and it's always been my pleasure. Uh, you fellows have always treated uh, me uh, great, and it's always appreciated, but I'm excited to be here. I really am. We're excited for you. Thanks, Lou. Thank you. Lou Lamorello, the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, there's another side of the coin, is going to get him. Um. As Michael said earlier, it's not all that surprising if you look at Shanahan and a guy who says, all right, here's where I've been, here's what I've done, here are the guys that I've dealt with, here are the people that I respect, let me go get those guys. Well, damn it, he has. He went and got Babcock, his coach for a number of years in Detroit, and then Lou Lamorello, his general manager, I don't know if he coached, I don't think he coached. Well, Shanahan was there, but we'll find Lou out. Lou coached a lot. Yeah, off and on. I don't think he'll be the interim coach of the Leafs. I'm guessing not, but 
Uh, when we come back, the other half of the um, the duo, Brendan Shanahan, the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is prime time on the Sportsnet Television Network. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. No medical exam or health questions will be asked. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. Twenty-nine minutes before the hour, this is Canada's most listened to sports talk show. It's primetime sports, coast to coast on the Sportsnet radio and television networks. Bob McCowan and Michael Grange in this first hour. Uh, if you just tuned in, uh, sorry, uh, Lou Lamorello was uh, with us for the first half hour of the uh, program and told some, um, said some interesting things. Uh, we're pleased now to um, welcome the guy who uh, went and got him, uh, the president uh, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Brendan Shanahan, is with us. I- I'm intrigued, Brendan, by the process. Um, and, and more specifically this, Michael, in our conversation with Lou, brought this up that, you know, y- we all know your history in the National Hockey League. And truthfully, you went out and got a coach that you played for, that you obviously had a great deal of respect for. Not that you are alone. We all do with Mike. And, and then um, a guy who was a president slash coach slash general manager of the New Jersey Devils, who you also played for. I'm wondering about the thought process in getting to that. Um was it um, was it obvious to you? Did you recognize this in the early days, or did this kind of just come to you over time? Uh, well, first off, hi guys, how are you? We're good, thanks. <laughs> um, you, you know, it, for, first and foremost, it was about finding uh, who I thought were the right people and the right fit and the best people for this job. And um, you know, I think I think in my short history here, you know. The one thing that I've I've I really haven't done is I haven't just gone out and surrounded myself with a bunch of buddies of mine and friends of mine and uh, but if you've been in the game as long as you know if you've been in the game for a long time uh, you do end up crossing paths with people and having relationships with them and um, you know I I did not know Kyle Dubas before I hired him I, I hardly knew Mark Hunter at all right. but but I had heard from people that I trusted that they were rising stars and and hard workers and good team players and. Same with Brandon Pridham, who who was a really does a great job for us managing our cap. Uh, you know, he, I knew him from the NHL. We didn't have a strong relationship, but I I, I knew the quality of his work. So uh, Babcock, um, I wasn't alone in, in thinking that he was a great coach and would we be great in this city with a challenge so great as this one. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought when I read that or heard that Lou was. Um, stepping down from GM and, and moving to the president position. Um, I was looking for a general manager. I was looking for a GM that, that uh, maybe didn't want, wasn't interested in a, a four five, six year deal. Um, and, and I was also looking for somebody with some NHL experience to complement the group that I had assembled. I, I was proud of the group that I had assembled. If, if a critic wanted to point at one thing and say, we we lacked it was some experience so um my 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 goal was always to find the best person but certainly if i had a young person and an and an experienced person and they were both uh 
equally adept at doing the job, I would have, I would have, you know, I think the experience would have been the tiebreaker. So I reached out to the devil's management and I asked for permission to talk. I think they were shocked that, that Lou, whether or not Lou would even consider it. And I just started a conversation and that was uh, several weeks ago. And, um, uh, it, it cooled off at times, but I, 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 I stayed with it. And there were times where I had to back off because I could tell knowing Lou and, and knowing that he was a lifelong, he'd been with one organization, um, I knew that you couldn't press too hard at times. And he had to come to this decision on his own and um, make a long story short, um, we were able to get him done yesterday. What? I'm wondering what went through your mind when you contemplated even calling Lou. What made you think that maybe this was the small window of opportunity that maybe, maybe this guy might say yes? Well, I, I think the one thing I wanted to appeal to him, is, and in some ways it's the same way I tried to appeal to Mike, I, I know certain types of individuals are just not the I want to put my feet up on, on a coffee table types of guys. And, you know, there are certain types of individuals where you don't describe a job or, or in a, in a um, you don't underscore the difficulty of a job that's in front of them. You actually present it as big as the mountain that you see it and you appeal to their sense of, of challenge. And I just, in spite of the fact of what I was reading out of New Jersey, I just knew that there was a burning desire in Lou to compete and, uh, you know, I had seen him at uh, Board of Governor meetings uh, while I was with the NHL, uh, general manager meetings uh, while I was with the NHL, and then again while I was with the Maple Leafs. And this did not look like a guy that was slowing down to me, and it did not look like a guy that was losing his uh, his competitive fire. So uh, I could have got laughed off the phone, but... I, well, uh, it's I only thought, a phone I call, right? It's, it's worth a phone call. Well, yeah. I, I, so if Shiro, if he, they don't hire Shiro... Do you even call Lou Lamorello? I mean, I know it's theoretical, but what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I like uh, dealing too much in hypotheticals. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. The point is, he, he, in some ways, there was a little bit of a door that might have been open. Right. And and uh, to to the owners' credit, in New Jersey, they didn't want to lose him, and um, and and I don't think they thought they were going to, um, but but yet. Out of respect for Lou, they gave him the opportunity to at least talk to me. And I think, I think to quote Lou, what it—the only thing I really that we really accomplished with that first conversation was, was maybe we just—he was intrigued, and that was and that and that, and, I, and to me that was a great, a good enough first step. Right, uh, Michael, Brendan, you, you mentioned in that answer there that you know you're looking for someone with NHL experience to kind of round out your your portfolio, if you want to put it that way, not that you call people portfolio, but, um, and yet you didn't want someone who was looking for a four or five, six year deal. Why? Well, I, I take that back. I, I, I guess there were different scenarios that, that I could have gone with. Um, uh, I was interested in, in, well, I, I probably shouldn't say because it, it's, there are people with, that are in other organizations and I might get myself in trouble with tampering, but there were some other people that I was interested in that, that maybe were, um, uh, starting out in their career, um, or at a younger point in their career. Um, that was one scenario. Most of those guys aren't coming to Toronto un- unless they're getting a five or six year deal. Sure. 
Um, and, and then there were situations a little bit similar to the one that Pittsburgh has done with Jim Rutherford, where you bring in a senior guy to sort of mentor the group and, and sort of see them through a transition. That was another option. And the other option was just going with the current situation that we had and just sort of doing it, uh, lear- learning on the fly, learning on, uh, as we go along. And I think we did a pretty good job this summer. I'm, I'm proud of the summer we had. I thought that Mark Hunter was fantastic at the draft, as was Kyle Dubas. I thought that uh, July 1st was uh, that week was great in that, um, you know, it, it's it's a time when when sometimes you can help your club, but maybe the the biggest thing we avoided, which which happens to some clubs, is you hurt your club on July 1st, and we didn't do that. Um, we're at this point now for the first time in a long time we don't have our noses pressed right up against the salary cap ceiling. We have the ability to be buyers and not necessarily have to be sellers. And uh, I thought that they all did a great job. Uh, I guess the what you're really trying to get at is I, I, I see potential in some of the people that we have here internally to to possibly do this at some point one day. And I wanted to I wanted to leave that option there for them uh, down the road. With Leaf President uh, Brendan Shanahan, when Lou was on with us, Brendan, he he mentioned that Mike Babcock was among those that he talked to uh, before making this decision. I'm wondering if you talked to Mike before you called Lou the first time, or at least early in the process, given that this is, it's not backwards, but it's not generally how things are conducted, where you go hire the coach and then go hire the general manager. Where did Mike fit in? Well, I I was in the unique position to be able to know who I was speaking to and not necessarily have to tell either of them as much information as I had, uh, only enough to satisfy myself and know that there was a great comfort between the two men and their respect for one another and the jobs that they would do. So, um, you know, I I didn't tell Mike that I was pursuing uh, Lou Lamorello, but I think I think I got from him and just some conversations and uh you bump into people at the draft and you have conversations and New Jersey's table was near ours and I, I saw Mike and Lou having a couple conversations and you know, you, you hear people talk about respect and, and, and how much they think of someone. Um so I I was privy to more information than either of them and and I was satisfied enough that that this would have been a good, this, you know, was going to be a good marriage if, if, if Mike and, and Lou were working together, uh, one day. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because, um, you know, every workplace is kind of different and we all know that an employer would always invariably want two people who are going to work together to get along and, and respect each other and be of the same page at least some of the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is, is that as important in the structure that you've built now? That, that these two guys will work together? I think it's important. I think it was important for me to know that Lou had a ton of respect for Mike Babcock. And, and you know, it it just gets expressed through conversation where Lou, come, Lou came up to me at one point and said, you know, I love what you did with the head coach, and, and I think he's fantastic. And, and, and similar conversations I had with Mike. Now, what I've talked about since I've been here is a vision for how this organization would work and, and how the group would think together and, and sort of lean on one another. And that was very important for me to continue to describe that that environment to Lou so that he knew with his eyes wide open exactly what he was walking into. And 
Um, so anybody that's being hired here, and as I said at the end of the season press conference, when some people said, well, you know, it's a little bit unorthodox that the GM doesn't hire the coach or GM doesn't right. bring all his buddies with him. I said, that's true, and that's valid, and some guys won't be for us, and, and we won't be for them. <laughs> and and Lou happened to be a guy that liked the people that we had in place and is probably a lot more progressive than people give him credit for. Um, he was comfortable in his relationship with me. Um, it's a little bit different that the guy he drafted 28 years ago, <laughs> he now reports to. Um, but, but such is the cyclical life of, of, of hockey. And, um, you know, one day I'll be asking William Nylander for a job or something <laughs> like that. Um, Brendan, before you, you joined us, uh, we had Lou on and, and, uh, Bob accused him of, uh, kidnapping you at one point and, uh, leaving you by the side of the road, uh, no, I didn't accuse him of that. I said there was a story out there well, the that point, this happened when Brendan was 18 years old. And the real point, I guess, that's relevant, Lou denied it. Uh, if you want to correct the record, that's fine. But um, the point is, is, is for a moment there, it seemed believable. And, <laughs> and I guess what I'm asking is, is you've known this guy. To me, Lou Lamarillo is simply a legend. I have no firsthand experience of what exactly makes him legendary. And you've, you know, he raised you, you've played for him, now he's working for you. Can you... Now, we, I asked this question of Lou, too. He wouldn't tell me. Give us a little bit of an example of what makes Lou, Lou. Well, I, I think it's almost, it's so difficult to, you know, it's like, you know, what makes you, you, or what makes Bob, Bob? It's, you know, it's <laughs> like, it, it's, it's very difficult to encapsulate an entire person with, with a few quips uh, for, for a little radio interview. But, um you know, he, he is, because he is a complicated guy and he's an interesting guy. Um, but probably the, 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 the biggest consistency with him um, is his belief in a team first structure. And, and something that he used to say, and I mentioned it uh, when I was being inducted in the Hall of Fame that I had learned when I was in New Jersey is that the crest on the front of the sweater is more important than the name on the back of the sweater. And with team success can come a whole lot of individual accolades and success presently and later in life. And, you know, what What I look back on fondly now are winning championships. I, I, I don't look back on, on individual trophies or not that I won many of them, but um, what what you remember is, you know, and I, I've said this before to individual athletes, as great as tennis players are and as golfers are and, and boxers, I feel sorry sometimes for individual athletes that they don't get an, an opportunity to win something with a group of teammates and what that feels like. Like, I, I watched the Canadian men's baseball team uh, win that game, win the gold medal the other day uh, in the Pan Am games, and, uh, you know, it... it you, it makes you jealous and remember what it was like to to see that sort of sea of humanity of of, of guys jumping on each other like that and sharing that same uh, feeling of of working as a team. So for me, that's the biggest thing that Lou brings is 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 that the the team first mentality. Um, you know, the, the jokes are you know you hear the Kool Aid line or the the Godfather line. I mean, is he a scary guy? How does he get that across? Um, 
and 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 does, is three years long enough to to kind of bring that culture to to build that culture? Well, I, I think that it's it's the start, um, and, and we'll see where we are three years from now. I mean, it's uh, nothing is set in stone. Um, you know, this is hockey. Things, as I said, the vision doesn't change, but the plans sometimes do. So, um, you know, is it enough time? We'll see. It's a great start. Um, that, that's we we can't we can't necessarily always project what what we're going to look like in three years or four years or five years. But what is it in our control is what we're doing right now. And I, I feel fortunate with the uh, with the team of people that. You know, I read somewhere once, like if you're a really good executive, you, you do your best to make sure you're the you you've, you're the dumbest guy in in the room you've assembled. And uh, I can say that, <laughs> I can say that I've I've done a pretty good job of of putting myself in a room full of hockey executives that that I really look up to and I'm I'm in awe of whether they're older or younger than me. Uh, last question uh, that I have, at least, uh, is this the last piece of your management puzzle? I hope so. I hope so. It's time. <laughs> it was, um, I, I, I joked around a little bit with some people, uh, some colleagues in hockey that would, I would bump into at the draft and they'd, they'd see me with the bags under my eyes and say, how's the summer going? I said, well, you know, remind me never to do that at the end of a season again. Um, but you know, it's, we, we've done some other things here that might not get the same fanfare that we're very proud of. You know, what we've done with the Marlies and the coaching staff with the Marlies and our development system, because that's going to be so important. Our sports science department that we think is, you know, um, going to be the, the, the best in the NHL. Um, these are all the little things that, that we want to do. And, and look, then the on-ice product's going to, going to, going to have to get better. And that takes time. We need more players. We need, we need more from our, our current players. And we know, as Mike Babcock said, pain, you know, pain is coming. Like it's as much as we're doing right now, we haven't won a single game and we haven't, I think we've made our management team better and we've made some good decisions with our hockey team, but there's still some pain coming. This is, this is a process that will take time. And, you know, we were prepared for that. And I think our fans in our city are prepared for that. And, and I think that our ownership is prepared for that. So we have, a, we have a good group here. Some people ask, how does this work? And like we had a general manager last year. It works very much the same. He's just got a different name. You know, we, we will find a way to make this work. And uh, I'm just excited that Lou has put his name uh, and joined this group to become a part of it. Well, you surprised us twice, at least. Um, congratulations on that and, um, and the people that you've uh, managed to assemble here. And we know that the work, as you've, you've said, is uh, really just beginning now. Uh, the focus shifts to the product on the ice and away from uh, those that are wearing the suits um, up in the, uh, the, the private suites. But uh, congratulations and uh, Thanks for taking some time for us today. We know it's a busy day. Uh, we hope uh, you'll have the opportunity to come and join us in studio at some point. Um, and thank you for today. That would be great. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Brendan Shanahan, the president of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, uh, 60 seconds. What do you make of all this? Good job by your producers. Two pretty good guests to get. Yeah, not bad. That's yeah. what we do here. Yeah. But no, I think uh, That's what they I'm do fascinated. I, I'm, uh, you know, Lou. It's an interesting group, Very interesting. Isn't it? And, and I, you know, I guess what the questions I was trying to get, this guy's a legendary figure. He's run his own ship only. Yeah. So how does he work in a group? And is the amount of time he's here allow him to shift the culture in a way that makes him significant?
Could you have even seen this coming? Oh no, nobody could. I, I would, you know, and I thought I knew Lou, and I, um, um, and maybe I did. I, I thought there was no chance of him getting away. But I credit Brendan for recognizing that a door may have opened with the the Shiro decision, whether it was Lou's or ownership's decision, and I suspect the latter. Um, Lou was in a position where maybe you could talk to him, where six months ago. He wouldn't have even had any interest. Called making deals, right? Yeah, right day, right place, right time, right? Recognize an opportunity before anybody else recognizes it. Uh, thank you, Michael, as always, for stopping by. Pleasure, Bob. Our thanks to Lou Lamorello and uh, Brendan Shanahan for joining us in the past hour. Jeff Blair will wander in. The Blue Jays find another way to lose a game last night. They're winning a game this afternoon. Scott Casimir, who was supposed to be the starter this afternoon, gets traded to Houston. So we'll deal with all those things. John Furlong, the uh, chairman of Own the Podium and the um, head honcho of the Vancouver Olympics, will be with us. Uh, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, chief legal officer of the NHL on this expansion thing in hockey. And uh, others, TBA. Stick around if you got nothing better to do. This is primetime. <laughs>